Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. The pandemic, to put it mildly, shook up the labour market. Millions of people are now moving into new roles, and tens of thousands of firms are in search of talent. In this HR Chat episode, we're going to consider the latest tools and trends for job seekers and those responsible for talent sourcing, attraction and connection. We'll also consider what to look for in an employer and how to make the right decisions to further your career. My guest this time is Craig Fisher, founder, employer brand and HR tech strategy advisory at TalentNet Media, chief executive officer at NAC.io and strategic partner at Recruiting Advisors. Craig helps companies, leaders and teams with digital brand and inbound marketing strategy, which includes training for recruiting, sales, marketing and personal branding. In addition to direct consulting, TalentNet Media hosts the largest recruitment conference series in the southwest of the US, with annual events in Dallas and in Austin. The TalentNet Live event started as the first ever Twitter chat for recruiters in 2008. Craig, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Bill, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Beyond my wee introduction then, Craig, please take a minute or so and tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and what you get up to. Yeah. So um, in general, I help companies attract talent better. Um, And that's a a very short way of saying that I do everything from uh, employer branding, better job descriptions, uh, recruitment marketing, top of the funnel filling, sourcing strategy, recruitment process, and tech strategy to all combine to attract the best and right talent uh, for your organization. Because the best talent uh, for one organization is not always the best for another. And so we look at things like culture metrics and uh, other indicators to help really put a fine point on uh, who's best for your company. Okay. Thank you very much. Now then uh, let's, let's get this interview really going now with a pretty big question. Mm -hmm. Craig, what the heck happened to jobs as a result of the pandemic? Maybe paint a bit of a picture of, of why and how so many people found themselves out of work. Yeah. So when the pandemic hit uh, originally, we started hearing about it in, Really, in the States, we started hearing about it uh, in mass in January of 2020. And at that time, people were still um, traveling. There was no problem. I went to San Francisco and back twice, Vegas and back once uh, between January and March. Um, But when March came around and it started getting bad and everyone went to uh, spring break, uh, basically, and we started getting notifications that uh, schools were not coming back in person after spring break for a certain amount of time. Uh, And all of the, uh, you know, NFL, NBA, uh, baseball, you know, all the teams started shutting down their operations as well. Uh, We knew something was uh, was really, really happening, right? And already jobs had started to be affected because um, people were starting to get a little bit afraid of travel. And so that really hit the, uh, you know, hospitality industry. Uh, Certainly retail started to get affected. Um, And, uh, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, there was, there was a whole bunch of sort of time uh, weeks where we were in this netherworld where 
jobs were declining and we weren't reacting to it. And then very quickly, uh, companies like CVS and, you know, other frontline type companies who needed to ship medication and equipment and masks and, you know, other uh, things that, that were affected and had to do with the pandemic um, started hiring warehouse workers and frontline workers and even retail workers back. And so while the you know Marriott's and the Hilton's of the world were laying everyone off, they had partnerships with uh, the CVS's of the world where CVS agreed to take a lot of those people on um, and an agreement uh, where the uh, idea that they could go back to their original employer when this was all over if they wanted to, or they might find a, a great place to work at CVS full-time and permanently. So there was a little bit of offset there, but then there were a whole lot of people that were middle management and regular workers and you know individual contributors and even leaders in organizations uh, that were just basically laid off. A lot of them were able to take a little bit of a package. Some took nothing. And um, I'd say, a, you know, a decent percent of those people were able to make a pivot where they had other skills, they could do consulting, things like that. But that decent amount is a small overall percentage. I mean, maybe 10% of people were able to do that. And a vast majority here in the U.S. got on, um, you know, the benefits that started rolling out, unemployment and other benefits that came from, from COVID. Um, and so now you know, it, this was going to happen anyway, right? I mean, unemployment changes when you have a regime change in government. Uh, unemployment happens when your economy starts to slow down. And we were already seeing indicators of that last year. So COVID was the, um, you know, the, the, the real catalyst uh, to make all that happen faster. From what you saw, what roles maybe remain stable and in demand throughout? And, and also what types of perhaps traditional job roles have been left by the wayside as as companies maybe opted to future-proof against possible future volatility and catastrophes, or or simply maybe they, they use the downturn as an opportunity to embrace AI and other ways to augment or replace traditional positions. Yeah, broadly, anything that has to do with shipping and logistics um, stayed in fairly good shape for a lot of organizations. Um, but a lot of recruiters, for instance, um, were laid off. Uh, you know, some, if they were sort of multi-talented, uh, got hired back into companies where uh, there was a lot of need for, um, you know, high volume type roles. Uh, and if you could make that pivot, that's, that's really good. Uh, if not, you might still be looking for a job today. And uh, there is a lot of that, but recruiters have a good ability to pick up contract work. And so I think that a lot of roles that, you know, like I said, uh, could pivot into doing contract consulting, um, gig work, things like that. Now, one of the things that we've seen is that uh, your average retail worker um, for a long time, uh, you know, in-store type retail worker, uh, that really slowed down and uh, almost uh, went away for a while. But that's come back in force. I mean, especially over the holidays, uh, we saw uh, it was it had really picked up and places like Home Depot and Lowe's and, you know, other uh, you know, home improvement type 
places and hardware stores uh, because of the pandemic and because people were staying home and actually had some income um, due to you know whatever their circumstances were, whether it be benefits or, or contract worker or layoff situation, or they're still employed, they're home. And so they're working on their houses. And so uh, that there's a whole lot of uh, activity there. And so even though you can't be in store as much, uh, there's still a lot of things to be shipped or to be picked up at curbside. So um, interestingly, we've got a be- decent bit of an offset, uh, but you know, inflation is still way up from where it was this time a year ago. I'm sorry, uh, unemployment is still way up from where it was this time a year ago. Inflation as well is actually on the rise. And the, the economy, the good news is the economy is bouncing back and, and firms are hiring again, as we mentioned a moment ago. What, yeah. what can what can companies do at the moment to to stand out from the crowd as an employer of choice? And and maybe also perhaps you can share how, how has projecting one's employer brand changed as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, one of the things that we've seen, Bill, is that companies who show um, outwardly, their willingness to be flexible with uh, being in an office, for instance, uh, are are winning. Um, it's funny, uh, a large, very large retailer uh, called me recently. Let's say they're the largest online retailer in the world. Name starts with an A. And asked if I wanted to be a, an employer brand leader with their organization. I said, oh, I'm glad to talk about that always. And uh, I take every interview, by the way, because I want the information, right? And so they said, great. Okay. Uh, you know, originally this job was going to be based in Seattle or Nashville, but uh, now we've opened it up uh, to remote work and uh, you look like a great candidate. Interview happens, all this stuff. Great. Then they called me back and said, ah, it's going to be back in Nashville or, or Seattle. It has to be, you know, in one of those locations. And so I said to the guy, to the recruiter, I said, um, you're going to lose a lot of your best candidates this way because I I talk to job seekers every day and I talk to employers every day and most of them don't feel safe going back to an office right now and they won't for a while. I mean, things are going to be permanently changed. He says, I agree. Most of us here agree. Uh, And so then he called back about a week later and he said, Hey, guess what? It's back open again to, uh, to remote work could work anywhere. I said, all right. So I, I feel like I'm starting to see even the strict, Companies who have claimed they're going to do, you know, in-office work are, are starting to loosen up a little bit about this. Now, but we did see the drop boxes of the world close their, you know, large permanent offices um, and start to open small regional hubs in, uh, you know, inner city places where people can go work if they want to. But it's not a requirement. So a lot of things have changed permanently. And those employers who are focusing on flexibility health and safety, and even mental wellness and well-being of their employees are standing out right now. Okay. And what about what about resume checking and, and recruiting technology? How has that evolved since Q1 of 2020 to maybe better sift through and, and attract candidates? Because, I mean, that's pretty important right now. It, it is. And one of the things that I'm seeing, which is an interesting trend, is companies are, A, wanting to write um, better job descriptions that um, attract a diverse array of candidates. Okay, uh, it's easy to have the wrong pronouns or descriptive words uh, in in your job that will turn off female candidates or certain types of candidates that you know you'd really rather attract. And so the technology for writing 
better job descriptions is exploding. I mean, there's, uh, you know, 10 viable companies right now out there that will help you do just that. And the same is starting to happen on the resume side. So uh, companies like Allsorter are starting to do blinding of resumes where they take out the pronouns and they might even take out the name of the college and replace it with top 50 school in XYZ category. Um, and, and things that would bias the uh, recruiter or hiring manager about that resume. So interestingly enough, um, you know, the, the sorting tools haven't changed much, right? It's the, the stack ranking hasn't changed much. In fact, a lot of the tools that previously did that are kind of going away or not working very well right now. Um, but the, the blinding of resumes is starting to happen a little bit for uh, bias purposes. And, and I think we're seeing, um, more human interaction with, and thankfully for, you know, the candidate experience purposes, we're starting to see more human interaction with reviewing resumes and, and, uh, replying to candidates. Okay. So people are hiring again and, and lots of people are fortunately getting jobs again, but for some groups out there, it's tougher uh, in, in the labor market now. So, for example, on, on one side, you've got those without certain tech skills. And on the other side, perhaps you've got uh, those who are entering the workforce for the first time and therefore don't lack. So don't have the the experience. What, what advice would you have for those two groups? You know, for example, on one side, are we talking about upskilling? And on the other side, are we talking about accepting internships? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a, a little bit of both. So. One of the one of the interesting things uh, that's come out of all this is there's been a lot of acquisition or uh, you know combining of organizations or collapsing of organizations and so the the people in one so locally here uh, in Dallas where I am um, Charles Schwab moved in uh, and they were in the process of acquiring TD Ameritrade. Um, TD Ameritrade is one of my customers and they had this group in their commercial real estate department um, of, you know, 30 or so plus people that have been with the organization 10, 15 years, and they have no idea how to look for, you know, really an internal job with Charles Schwab or an external job if it comes to that. And so they paid me, asked me to upskill uh, their employees on how to, how to do that, how to look for another job. Similar things are going on with, uh, tech workers inside organizations. So companies have been, you know, rather than trying to uh, recruit brand new outside people for certain things, they might take legacy software engineers and train them in cloud computing technology and, um, you know, upskill their own internal workforce. We've seen DXC technology and other big tech companies uh, doing this over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I think upskilling continues to be a trend. Uh, I think if you can keep the people that you've kept, uh, you're, you're doing a good job. And, you know, those people, if you treat them well, are your best advocates out in the market. And so you want to do that if possible. A few years ago, when I had less gray hair, Craig, uh, one mm -hmm. of my mentors said to me, Bill, everybody sells. And, and I agree with that, unless maybe you, you work in a lab or something. And certainly you, you help not just recruiters, but other sales focused pros, right? M many Many traditional ways of generating new business are not going to be available at, at large scale for quite some time yet, Craig. So, for example, 
lead generation from from conferences or job fairs right how, how would how would you or what would your top tips be for for recruiters and other sales focused professionals in 2021 and into 2022 and how can they get back on top and and reach people in new ways outside of those traditional in-person environments that's right well so you're right everybody sells um, job seekers are selling themselves right to to get a better job the ceo of the company is selling his uh, agenda to you know make things happen or possibly looking for his next gig. I mean, this this is very common, right? Everybody's always constantly looking for their next thing, and whether that's a job or a consulting gig or you know anything, it's a sales job, right? And so yes, everybody sells, and um, networking in person has largely gone away. We are doing a lot of networking online now. We've got Zoom fatigue, but for instance, I you know generally host a conference in person at a big employer's headquarters in Texas twice a year, once in Dallas, once in Austin, as you said, when we opened. And I had to pivot that to a virtual event. And so we bought the Hopend platform and it's been very successful. It's still been very intimate and people can do one-on-one -on -one networking and we see people connecting after the fact. And, uh, and so I think those are, you know, while not perfect and certainly not uh, a good, you know, real substitute for in-person networking, they do offer some benefit. I would say, you know, if you're a salesperson, uh, don't sell, right? Just make relationships, right? And, and then do the thing that, you know, you should always be doing anyway online where your customers or potential customers hang out show up in their peripheral vision on a regular basis. You know, I say five times before you ever reach out to ask for anything. And when you do show up in their peripheral vision by commenting on their post or on someone else's post that they've liked or, uh, right, posting your own thing and tagging them, whatever, offer value those five times. So I call it a five to one give to ask ratio. My method of selling and marketing has always been inbound. I'm a HubSpot fanatic and I used to be a blogger for them. And so, uh, I, you know, I'm really attuned to that because if you reach out right now and, and, you know, God bless us all for having to put up with marketing automation on LinkedIn, but it's the worst, right? I mean, we just don't pay attention to all of these messages that we're getting. And so you have to actually do the work to get out there and put some content out there and network with people like share, comment on their stuff, and be a good network citizen on a regular basis because that's where we live now is online. Um, and it's interesting. We're starting to see this really grow in places like Clubhouse as well. So your opinion counts and, uh, you know, be the subject matter expert of what you want to sell to the people you want to sell it to without selling anything, right? Just share things that'll help them do their job better. Yeah, I, I hear you. So I've been running events as well since 2017. And um, we, we also pivoted and, and, and took those online. I, I think the reality, Craig, is perspective from a business development perspective, it's not as powerful as as you know, those serendipitous uh, moments when you just meet someone, shake their hand, and, and start a business relationship. But it's what have we've got beer. right now, and right. Have a, yeah, have a beer, have a coffee, whatever that might be. Um, but it's what we've got right now, and we've got to work with it. And any other, any other arenas, though, and, and people are out there right now trying to find that secret sauce, whether it is for marketing or sales purposes, or or indeed to help project their employer brand. You've, you've spoken about those ones that we're familiar with, better use of of uh, LinkedIn and whatnot to spread your content. But are there any platforms out there that perhaps people aren't utilizing at the moment? So, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of uh, TikTok, but maybe I should be getting on there. 
Yeah, it's it's a great place actually, um, and you know, I almost feel latent in doing my thing on TikTok because I haven't really done it. Uh, but it is a good place to advertise, and um, you know, you there are several really good um, marketing types, for instance, that get on and give really quick tips, and then you know point to the ceiling and say, click my link and, you know, you'll find more and follow me and you'll get more tips, whatever. And that's a real good way to, uh, you know, to, to sell yourself and market your stuff um, on TikTok. And it is a powerful platform. Uh, and, you know, oddly enough, if you get people to follow you by following them, they'll follow you back. That's how it works. Even if they are broadly there to watch the funny stuff, your uh, posts will come up you know, on a fairly regular basis, if you're consistent and consistency is key uh, with any of this, you, you need to be putting stuff out uh, every week or every few days or every day. Um, if you take a break for a while, for instance, during election season, and we'll have a, a latent reference to, to that, uh, that you can qualify, um, you know, jump back on it when, uh, when, when it's all clear. Uh, and I think that uh, if you're consistent and, you know, you start to embrace video, for instance, or audio in the case of Clubhouse, um, your voice means something. And pe people being able to see you and see who you are and what you do and what you offer um, is not a replacement for in-person networking, but certainly uh, a good complement to it. And uh, and you should be doing it anyway. Yeah, I think I saw something about elections happening in the U.S. a while back, actually. A while um, back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are we are already coming towards the end of this interview, Craig. Before we wrap things up, how how can our listeners connect with you? Uh, I'm guessing one of those options might be LinkedIn. And uh, how how can they learn more about all the awesome things that you get up to? Yeah, certainly. So uh, definitely LinkedIn. I am uh, also at Fish Dogs on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me under Craig Fisher now on Clubhouse if you're interested in that. Um, I am Fish Dogs on TikTok. Uh, and, uh, you can find me at talentnetlive.com. That's my business. And my personal site is craigfisher.info, uh, or fishdogs.com. They all go to the same place where you can see about hiring me as a speaker or asking me to produce your virtual event. And, uh, we could, we can connect and have fun. Uh, definitely let's connect on LinkedIn because I share a lot of good stuff there. Okay. I've, I've just got to ask why fish dogs <laughs> years ago, uh, when I, tried to reserve my first URL. This is something like 1999. Craigfisher.com was already taken. And at the time we didn't have too many options. It was .com or .net basically. And uh, the, the idea was .com is all you wanted. And I was kind of looking into the future thinking I wanted something short and something that people wouldn't try to steal and take and buy from me uh, over and over again. And uh, a friend of mine from college when your name's Fisher, you know, people call you fish, everything, fish, six, fish, dog, fish, whatever. He called me fish dogs because I love dogs. And uh, my first blog became about Craig Fisher and his dogs because I was trying to recruit engineers at the time. And turns out that software developers were a lot of times more interested in dogs than cats back in the late nineties, at least on the chat rooms that I was trying to participate in. And I was teaching myself how to code so I could be a good participant versus just selling things. And so I wanted to have some things in common with these folks. And uh, that's that's how it happened. And Fish Dogs caught on. It was like a hacker name. And uh, everybody loved it. So I stuck with it. Man, and it gets really great. good SEO for me. 
for weird reasons. <laughs> I, I bet, yeah. You know, you, I never quite know what kind of tips are going to come out from these interviews. Um, so one right at the end there, listeners, is if, if you're in recruitment and you're trying to you're trying to attract uh, candidates who are within, say, software engineering, uh, focus on dogs, not on cats, apparently. <laughs> um, okay, so that just leaves me to say for today, Craig Fisher, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you, Bill. Pleasure to be here. And listeners, as always, until next time, Happy working and please do continue to be safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette. 